It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I'm David Leventhal. Well, folks, it was another week of an insane clown show, maybe more insane than normal, by this criminal president and the Republican criminal organization that have somehow managed to up the ante in their fight against democracy, voting, including the U.S. Post Office, the U.S. Constitution, U.S. laws, minimal competence, this country's best ideals, and basic human decency. And we will be discussing none of that on today's show. We'll leave that for a future show. Instead, we will be spending today's show, as long promised, discussing the legacy that is sure to outlive their reign, if this country does. Their legacy in the United States court system. The Supreme Court term ended a few weeks ago with a flurry of last-minute decisions that I would like to spend a little time unpacking, at least some of the major decisions there, as well as some other decisions from federal courts that shed light on the magnitude of, this, of what this country must overcome to get beyond Trump and this criminal organization. We will also remind you of the magnitude of the theft that has been perpetrated in this country, the theft of our federal courts, and thus our legal system, our moral system. The magnitude of the theft that was conducted by a political party that has lost, I like to remind you, six out of the last seven nationwide popular votes. Six out of seven, and now utterly controls our retrograde courts. So let's get right into the Supreme Court and our courts of the last few weeks. We started out, normal people are always looking for hope. I've talked about this in the context of the coronavirus and what's happening in this country. It's one of the things we sort of have to overcome. We, we try to find a reason to go to sleep at night, be able to sleep at night, that things will somehow work out well. And we were given some opportunity there to, to, to think of possible hopeful scenarios with the Supreme Court decisions that I've previously discussed. This is a bit of a ways back that prevented Donald Trump from unilaterally eviscerating DACA on behalf of dreamers who've spent their whole lives in America. The Title VII decision on sexual orientation identification, which was an unalloyed positive and victory for people seeking justice in this country. They show us in part, of course, what we are missing, what we could have expected in this country had we had a court system that actually reflected our values and tried to promote our ideals and our welfare, for that matter. We, we got more reason to try to find hope, so we keep being told, by the abortion rights decision that came right near the end of the, of the term. A decision that gave us hope that, okay, abortion might still be protected. So maybe gave license for decent people to go back to bed and continue their slumber and stop the fight. That's 
part of the problem with that decision. The rest of the problem with that decision is that it's not really quite what it is purported to be. In case you missed it, Chief Justice John Roberts provided the fifth vote with the four sane justices of the United States Supreme Court. I refuse to call them liberals. The four sane justices of the United States Supreme Court were joined by Chief Justice Roberts to strike down a Louisiana anti-abortion law. In the case, June Medical Services v. Russo. Just to unpack what was going on, for those who are unfamiliar, this was a Louisiana law that required doctors to have admitting privileges in a local hospital in order for them to be able to provide abortions. Sounds kind of reasonable. It's out there for the safety of women, just in case something happens. But that, of course, is not what the laws were about at all. All kinds of procedures that tend to have far more serious complications than abortion do not require doctors to have admitting privileges. In fact, the doctors having admitting privileges really means nothing other than putting up a procedural hurdle to doctors being able to perform abortion. And that was the goal of the law. It was not at all about women's safety. It was about preventing doctors from providing the constitutionally protected right for women to get abortions. It is what's referred to as, uh, among many as a trap law. Trap standing for targeted regulation on abortion providers. In other words, we can't directly outlaw abortions. Supreme Court decisions, including Roe v. Wade and Casey v. Planned Parenthood, have reiterated that, that the right to an abortion cannot be eliminated. It is a backdoor attack by creating a playing field, a, a set of facts on the ground, which deny women the ability to get an abortion, even if they are not denied the legal right to get an abortion. So in the case of Louisiana, for instance, this law would have left one doctor in one clinic in one city in the entire state of Louisiana, thus rendering abortions factually unavailable for many of the people of the state of Louisiana. Casey, Supreme Court precedent from years ago, had said that you cannot impose an undue burden on abortion. This strikes me as an undue burden on abortion. Maybe it also struck five members of the United States Supreme Court in part as an undue burden on abortion. For dissenting justices, of course, live in an alternative reality. They live in a Fox News, One American News reality. And they actually wrote a dissent that this was a bill designed to promote women's health, which it clearly was not. I don't know whether these justices live in alternative reality. To some extent, they probably do. But of course, the bigger idea is that they know that that you, many of you live, or many of us live in an alternative reality, and they're willing to profit off of that because they are, of course, Republicans. And that is the game plan. What is it that is so upsetting about this decision? Well, it's not even the decision that's so upsetting other than four justices decided to dissent. It's, it's really concerning that this decision got to the Supreme Court in the first place. It is, in fact, shameful that this case got to the United States Supreme Court. The United States Supreme Court, which hears a small fraction 
of the cases that are appealed to it. Decided to hear this one, despite the fact that it had decided an identical case out of Texas four years ago. Four years ago. It is revisiting a precedent from four years ago. This is almost unprecedented. The idea that a case would go back to the United States Supreme Court so quickly. When nothing in this case had changed from the Texas case, Whole Women's Health, nothing in this case, no, no, none of the facts, none of the legal arguments have changed from the Texas case that was decided four years ago. The only thing that had changed was the membership of the United States Supreme Court. The fact that Donald Trump put two justices on the United States Supreme Court, one of whom, remember, was stolen from Barack Obama. And therefore, the Republicans now felt that they had the political ability to overturn a decision they did not like. Roberts confounded their plans, which is really ironic because it turns out Roberts had actually been in the dissent in the whole women's health case and switched sides on this one. He switched sides, as would be apparent, because of strictly on the grounds of precedent. Remember that Justice Roberts in his confirmation hearings is on record. We have video of, of Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, saying, I respect precedent. I have talked several times on this show about how he clearly has not respected precedent. He got on the bench and immediately started overturning every precedent that he politically did not like or the Republican Party politically did not like. But there is some concern on Roberts' part about making the Supreme Court a completely political organization. Not, not only making it a political, that's, that's, sorry for my phrasing, that's the wrong phrasing. It is a political organization. He doesn't want everybody to know that. And the legitimacy of the United States Supreme Court was so directly at stake here that the man, as Chief Justice, for who, who, whose name will forever be attached to this Supreme Court, does not want to be associated with basically the destruction in the public eyes of the Supreme Court as an institution in which we can have any kind of faith or trust at all. So this was a little bit too much for Roberts. Not on the law. Not on denying women the ability to get an abortion. Not on the fact that this was a completely trumped up law that had nothing to do with women's health. That was all okay with Roberts. It is being associated with the destruction of the United States Supreme Court where he had to draw the line. Well, at least as Chief Justice, unlike the other four of his conservative brethren, he felt he had to draw a line there somewhere. But rest assured that while Roberts would not let the court commit suicide, not in this particular case, he's willing to destroy abortion. And he gave us a game plan, even in his decision, as to how Republicans should come back, should come back and attack abortion and not so obviously direct a way that completely confront a Supreme Court precedent of four years ago, that ignores a Supreme Court precedent of four years ago. 
As one commentator noted, he appears to have decided that the circumstances of this case were not ideal for crippling reproductive rights. But he left the door open to doing so in the future. Not only did he leave the door open, he provided a map to the door. As some other political commentator noted, he's willing to play the long con. I have talked on the show about his Obamacare decision, his vote, his placing the deciding vote to uphold, such as it was, the remnants of Obamacare. And I have been arguing ever since that time that Roberts is just smarter than most of the conservative faithful, certainly the Republican Party that's doing the politics. And he's smart enough to play the long con and not undermine his ability to do the long con by being so blatant in the short run that it causes a backlash that stops the movement. In other words, he's figured out how to promote the ultra-conservative agenda in a way that actually promotes the ultra-conservative agenda, that doesn't provide the left with the obvious boogeymen that can be used as lightning rods against that retrograde agenda. Nevertheless, for this, he's being attacked by so-called principled conservatives who don't like his decision to respect the law and the Constitution, such as Trump supplicants, you know, principled conservatives like Trump supplicants, such as Ted Cruz. Remember Ted Cruz? Principled enough that he can respect Donald Trump, even though he's called him a jackass, thinks he's a jackass, thinks he's incompetent, and Donald Trump called his wife ugly and his father an assassin of President John F. Kennedy. Ah, but that won't get in the way of principled conservatives like Ted Cruz putting their political interests ahead of anything else that matters. Then, of course, and I can't believe I'm going to say her name again, there's Kaylee McEnany, that total jackass White House spokesperson who is outraged on behalf of Donald Trump that Chief Justice Roberts could have done this. I assume she was outraged after someone explained to her what a Supreme Court was. But this moron was outraged on behalf of Trump. Well, it's just another example of Roberts playing the long game here. As long as you can keep the base outraged, well, that's your best path to political success. Most of these principled conservatives couldn't give a shit about abortion, as we've talked about in this show and elsewhere. They're busy telling their, uh, their, their daughters, their family members, and their paramours to go ahead and, and have abortions. They don't really, most of them are not motivated by anti but they just want to win. And they win by firing up the ultra-religious lunatic base. So Robert's concurrence in this case, narrow concurrence, left abortion completely on the edge, preserving the integrity of the United States Supreme Court, but while providing a roadmap to further restrictions on abortion, which will be forthcoming and will be coming very soon, undoubtedly before liberals are done demonstrating or or celebrating this victory. It is this decision above all else. The fact that the Supreme Court even considered this case is a demonstration of just how dramatically extremist to the right this court has gone. Even though the decision went the right way by a hair. Anyway, 
Uh, also on the abortion front, I want to talk about a pro-abortion ruling. And uh, no, I'm not being careless in my language here. I actually mean pro-abortion ruling. Faithful listeners to, to this show will, may recall that I take issue with the idea of referring to pro-choice activists as pro-abortion, arguing that nobody's really pro-abortion in this country. We're pro-abortion rights. Believe that it is a, a a right that women can can exercise when it is appropriate. Well, here we have a pro-abortion ruling, and it's not from the pro-choice side. And this is the Supreme Court decision that allows religious institutions to opt out of birth control under the Affordable Care Act. Wait, I'm sorry, I didn't even go far enough in the pro-abortion ruling. It doesn't just allow religious institutions to opt out of providing birth control under the Affordable Care Act. It allows anyone to opt out if they have moral objections to abortion. You can refuse to provide contraception coverage. You were always, under the ACA, you, you were n- not required to provide contraceptive coverage, but you are not, you, you are not even required to allow your people to get coverage by the government, which was the compromise that had been drafted by the Obama administration to address the concerns of religious institutions that didn't want to be complicit in people (gasps) having sex without, you know, marriage and procreation. So we've expanded now. Not only can these religious institutions not even provide an alternative, allow an alternative mechanism for the government and insurance companies to provide for contraceptives for their employees. But even if you express a moral qualm about this, you can get out of this. Now, this case is the Little Sisters of the Poor v. Pennsylvania. Little Sisters of the Poor. Gosh, how ironic that a, that a, such a nice name, Little Sisters of the Poor, is a pro-abortion group. It's a pro-abortion group in this case because here's a, here's a dirty little secret. If you deny people contraception coverage, what you will do, and studies have repeatedly and unerringly shown this, is you will create more abortions. It turns out that just telling people they can't get contraception will not stop some really nasty young people from having sex. Some people will have sex anyway, And some of those people will get pregnant. And some of those people will then end up terminating a pregnancy. So the little sisters of the poor are the little sisters of the, let's not use a condom, let's just abort the fetus once it's created. Nice, nice name. So maybe they should be, I I think it, it shouldn't be little sisters of the poor. It probably should be just little sisters of fuck the poor, which is really what they're standing for. They're only tangentially related to this case, of course, but the Republicans shopped around for a really nice sounding name to make the case sound so lovely that this is about little sisters of the poor against, you know, bad people. Little sisters of the promoting abortion. So they didn't want to have to file paperwork to opt out of providing abortion coverage. And now they will no longer have to. There is an estimated 70 to about 126,000 women who will lose their free contraceptive coverage 
because of this decision. 70 to 126,000 women, 70,000 to 126,000 women, it's a, it's a large enough uh, estimate to begin with. 70,000 to 126,000 women are expected to lose their free contraceptive coverage because of this decision. Some of whom are going to have sex, many of whom will have abortions. Thank you, little sisters of the screw the poor, little sisters of the abortion. Um, for many women, of course, let's also be reminded, it's not just about abortion. For many women, contraception, such as birth control, is also a medical issue. And these women will be denied crucial medical care. That's the little sisters of the screw the poor part of it. This is an example of, once again, our federal courts increasingly, as they are filled with Republican apparatchiks, the ability to impose your religion on others. And that, make no mistake, is what we are talking about here. We are not interfering with people's ability to exercise their own religion. We are interfering with people's ability to tell other people how to exercise theirs. That's what's going on here. And I want to be clear that this is not about religious people. I'm going to talk more about religion later on. I want to be clear this is not about religious people. If I've mentioned on my show many times, my wife is Catholic. Many of our friends are priests and nuns. Something that freaked me out at first until I got to know these people and realized that they are really good human beings who no doubt are not celebrating this decision. Because they're actually in it to help people. They believe in what they are peddling. This is not about religious people who want to affect the, uh, to, to help the lives of others, improves the lives of others. It is about extremists. It is about cultists who take their marching orders from the scum of the planet, like Jerry Falwell Jr., for instance, who just stepped down from his religious leadership post for a zipper issue in a picture. Oops. Talk about possibly not practicing what you preach to the morons. This is what we're talking about here. Not even religious people. Just fucking cultists. So, a reminder that the Trump administration is all about being led by fucking morons. The Trump administration is a cult, so it is natural that they would ally themselves with the cult figures in the ultra-religious right movement, people like Jerry Falwell Jr. I've been saying on my show and in class for a long time that the Republican theft of our judiciary is not just about abortion. That ultimately, when they, God forbid, Donald Trump gets another term, in a few years, your privacy rights are going to be gone. I've gotten some pushback from some of my students on this. Well, this is abortion. It's not private. Your right to buy birth control will go out the window. Well, it turns out, when saying that your right to access birth control is at, wit, is at risk, well, for 70 to 126,000 Americans, that eventuality has already come true. Rest assured, if Donald Trump gets another term, the next decision coming down the pike, or one of the next decisions on this subject coming down the pike, is that Americans do not have a constitutional right to birth control at all. And so states will go about banning birth control. And this United States Supreme Court will uphold those decisions. But wait, give it a few more years? Give another Republican lunatic following Trump? 
And the next decision down the pike will be, at some point, that birth control is unconstitutional. That will follow the decision, of course, that will find abortion unconstitutional. In other words, not leaving it up to the states, but absolutely preventing people from getting abortions. That's our future, people. Register to vote and get people out to vote. Anyway, the Supreme Court has also weighed in on democracy at the end of this past term. And uh, we talked briefly about this, but just to, to recap, the Supreme Court ruled that New York prosecutors can get Trump tax returns. Sort of. It ruled that Congress cannot get Trump's tax returns. Well, sort of. Let me put that a little bit broader here. Congress cannot oversee a criminal president. Sort of. A little more complicated. But Congress cannot exercise oversight or can is very limited in its ability to exercise oversight of a criminal president. That's what the Supreme Court just voted for. It also did say, however, that district attorneys, criminal prosecutors, can sort of exercise oversight. When I first talked about this case being argued many months ago, I predicted, it's not much of a prediction, that it sounded like the Supreme Court couldn't be so blatant as to basically just rule that the, that the president is above the law, overturn two blatant recent president precedents, and rule that the president is above the law. I didn't, I, didn't think, I didn't think that the Supreme Court was going to go there as much as I have absolutely no faith and respect with the Supreme Court. I didn't even think they were going to go that far. What I said they're going to do is they're going to allow Trump to run out the clock. That was their, that was their fail-safe option. Instead of ruling that Trump's above the law, they're just going to say, well, instead of, yes, the subpoena stands and you need to provide those records, they're going to find some excuse to send it back to the lower court to reconsider the case. Well, that's what they ended up doing. No surprise. So it's now gone back to the lower court to apply this new, exactly the same test that the Supreme Court came up with and do this all over again. This will take enough time to ensure that the New York prosecutor will not be able to get any of this information prior to the election. So Americans, thanks to the Supreme Court and what the, what the Republican criminal organization absolutely requires is that this criminal presence, the American public will never be able to know how criminal this guy is before we go vote in November. Inspiring, isn't it? Just inspiring. Uh, it's the it's the hide the criminality act, I suppose, of the Republican criminal organization. So it's going back to the lower court now. We have had, by the way, a bit of a of a preview. This is news from the last week. Turns out the New York district attorney in filing his papers to make his case for why they need these documents in the lower court has indicated that the scope of the criminal investigation, the scope of the possible criminal misconduct, and seriously, I have to say possible, but does anybody really think it's possible criminal misconduct from Donald Trump? But anyway, the scope of the investigation of criminal misconduct is much broader, thank goodness, than anybody was sort of anticipating. Bank fraud, all kinds of fraud, all kinds of activities that go to the heart of the Trump Organization and the President of the United States. And maybe, maybe sometime after, God help us, he after the election and after he's re-elected, we will find out how big a criminal the President of the United States has been. This is just absolute insanity, thanks to the United States Supreme Court. 
Also on democracy, there were a couple other democracy decisions from the United States Supreme Court. And one was that states may replace and even punish what's called faithless electors. Close quote. This was a unanimous decision, so I can't blame it. This isn't about the extremists on the United States Supreme Court. What this is about is the extremism and the absolute idiocy of the Electoral College. Again, a favorite discussion of ours. The Electoral College is a pathetic joke that shouldn't exist, but exists because it's the only chance that Republicans can get the presidency for a while. In other words, it exists because of how undemocratic it is. I've talked on this show that there are two rationales that were advanced for the Electoral College in the United States Constitution. One is to promote the interests of slave owners, slave-owning states. Whoop-de-doo. We're glad to preserve that one. The other one is because the American public was, that, that our founders were afraid that the American public was too stupid to be allowed to vote. And they built this fail-safe mechanism where if the American public were to do something inconceivably stupid, like vote for Donald Trump for president of the United States, you would have this fail-safe mechanism that you have this electoral college, which is the actual group that that uh, votes for and selects the, that selects the president. We vote for these elites who vote for the president. Well, it was always a joke because the electors just were chosen for their partisanship and their loyalty, and they vote the way they are ordered. Now, it turns out the United States Supreme Court has said that states can absolutely require them to vote as they are ordered, which means... This whole rationale for the fail-safe mechanism is not only absurd in fact, it is now absurd in law. So I guess we're left with the slave owner thing for why we have an electoral college. Who thinks, by the way, the electoral college is a bad idea? Someone I do not quote approvingly very often wrote on election night in 2012, the electoral college is a disaster for a democracy. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you, Donald Trump. The United States Supreme Court, speaking of democracy, ruled this was a 5-4 to four decision. The, the stolen majority of the United States Supreme Court managed to do this one. The United States Supreme Court ruled 5-4 to four, that the President of the United States is free to fire the head of the financial watchdog Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. This is a big issue because the CFPB was set up to be an independent consumer watchdog outside of politics to prevent illegal, dangerous, disastrous behavior in our financial community. Well, Donald Trump has wanted to completely denude, emasculate, defeminate the CFPB. And now he has the Supreme Court imprimatur for doing so. He has already installed his lackey as head of the CFPB, but now it's clear that there is no legal question as to whether that was okay. So our financial watchdog is completely under the control of a criminal president of the United States, rejecting the law that was specifically designed to ensure its independence so that it can act on behalf of the American people. Oh, you could see why the Republican criminal organization is all against that. Anything that's designed to act on, on behalf of the American people is immediately suspect. And then we've got uh, the United States Supreme Court ruling on basic decency. And that was the ruling that asylum seekers don't have the right to go to court or limiting the rights of asylum seekers to go to court. What's been happening here 
is that Donald Trump has been expeditiously ordering the removal of people who've come to this country afraid perhaps for their lives or for their freedoms or for their families' lives, their children's lives, who have gone, come here out of desperation and out of desperation have applied for asylum so that they can survive. Donald Trump has been summarily throwing these people out of the country. And the Supreme Court has now just said that that's fine. And they do not have a right to contest those expedited removals in United States courts. So Trump can just throw people out of this country where they can be left to die wherever they were. Again, just a quick side note here. Many of these people are refugees. They are climate refugees. We have destroyed their ability to feed their family through climate change. America has created climate change. It has turned many of these Central American countries. It has made their land not arable. And as a result, these people have come north looking for places where they can actually farm and provide for their families. We have killed them. And then when they come to us trying to, to save their, what's left of their lives, we have said, not our fucking problem. Get out of here. Gosh, makes you proud to be an American, doesn't it? We should see this, of course, in the context of Trump's rule on student visas. Remember, a few weeks ago, Donald Trump issued a ruling that had my university, among others, up in arms, that if this is part of their effort to force everybody back into school so that we can be sure to spread the coronavirus as widely as possible, kill as many people as possible, that uh, people who are studying in America on student visas uh, had to be in actual in-person instruction that if schools were online, these people were going to be thrown out of the country. Well, the good news is that Donald Trump had to walk that one back a week or so ago. But uh, it's part of his war on people who are foreign, especially on people who don't quite have the same skin color as the approved master white class. And this, of course, these rulings need to be looked at in the context of Donald Trump's continuing appeal to white supremacists, his plan for getting reelected his efforts to reach out to white supremacists and divide this country and basically lead us to another civil war. I talked about religion before. Let's talk a little bit about the Supreme Court on religion. Uh, for the United States Supreme Court, these are great days to be a religion. Thanks, the United States Supreme Court. Great days to be a religion. Because, gosh, if there's one thing the Trump administration has been teaching us over the last three and a half years... It's the wonders of faith and blind adherence to shit you know to be true when there's absolutely no evidence supporting it. You know, cults. So, yeah, why not be supporting the worst religious extremists right now in America? Not enlightenment, not, enlightenment, not thoughtfulness, not a, an application of facts to difficult decision. Let's actually promote the interests of cults. And we've been doing that through rulings that religions get to do whatever they want. They get a pass from U.S. laws, such as in providing contraceptive coverage to people who work for them. At the end of the term, the United States Supreme Court issued a ruling that held that employment discrimination laws do not apply even to lay teachers in religious schools. If a religious school hired someone to teach a, a non-religious subject, a secular subject, and that person was not religious, it doesn't matter. Employment discrimination laws do not apply to those people. This decision furthers the religious establishment goals of the political right. It basically provides anyone who says, I've got a religion here, I'm a religion, 
to opt out of society's laws. You can refuse to hire gay people because you're a religion, because it, it offends your religion. Well, what next? You can refuse, well, certainly refuse to, fire, to hire men or women, refuse to hire black people if your religion is against that. This is what happens when you allow people to opt out of society's laws. What's next? Murder? My religion allows people to be murdered if they do something wrong? And let's face it, many of our religions do allow people to be murdered if they, for instance, violate the faith somehow. So we're going to allow religious institutions to murder people? We're allowing them to opt out of general laws because they, in this case, employment discrimination. Murder is just next down the road or somewhat down the road, maybe not next. In this case, one of the teachers had, had died after being fired, after requesting time off to treat her breast cancer. This is insanity. This, this is a religious group. Someone requested time off to treat breast cancer and was fired, and the Supreme Court thinks that's okay? Wow, it really tells you something about morals. Years ago in, in class, I had a student say to me, well, you know, we do get our, our ethics from religion, and we do, we do get our morals from religion, right? And I said, yeah, which is why Osama bin Laden is the most moral person on the planet right now. To which a student who was a very good and smart student said, touche, yeah. So much, so much for getting your, your morals from religion. Uh, firing someone who has breast cancer and interfering with their ability to treat that breast cancer is something that most thinking people would not really consider moral. Another decision here supporting religion is that states can't refuse to subsidize religious schools. If you give money to other private schools, you have to give it to religious schools. Now, the idea is, well, if you're building a playground or something like that, if you're giving it to other private schools, then you can't differentiate on the basis of religion. Well, bullshit. Why the hell can't you? If I give money to a religious school to build a playground that is promoting their religious activities, it frees up their money to provide religion to their students, that is too much government involvement, that is government promoting religion, and it should be done according to the anti-establishment clause. Just enough of it. But nope, now we're going to increase government funding of religious schools. I think that's a bad thing. You want to study your religion, study it on your own freaking time. I happen to believe in public schools. I teach in one. I happen to believe in the mission of public schools. And I believe that one of the missions of public schools, as one commentator said many years ago, public schools are the glue that binds civil society together. We should be looking for things that unite us. God knows we have enough things that divide us. We really shouldn't be looking for more things to put on that plate. Again, this is not about religion. It's not about people who want to feel better about their lives and get motivated to do good things for their religious belief. We're talking religious charlatans here. And I want to talk about a recent incident, which I believe is really telling here. This is where Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was accosted on the Capitol steps by Republican Congressman Ted Yoho, who called her a fucking bitch and disgusting. Well, I'm not really going to talk about the fact that uh, this Ted Yahoo is a misogynist and is inappropriate because he's Ted Bozo of a misogynistic political party. So, of course, this shouldn't surprise anybody. The telling part here is what happened afterwards, that this loser just tried to lie his way out of it. 
saying, I never said that. Well, it turns out a reporter heard him say that. Oh, okay. Well, I never said the other thing. Well, it turns out a reporter heard you say that too. Then he goes on Fox News and says, she was telling people it was okay to shoplift if you're hungry. Well, it turns out she wasn't doing that either. And he knew that. And he was a fucking liar. So again, why is it a big deal? He's a member of the Republican criminal organization. It's no surprise that this yokel, Ted Yokel, is a, is a big liar. What's surprising is what happened next. He's trying to get out of, out of it. By saying, and I quote, I cannot apologize for my passion or for loving my God, my family, and my country. Well, when you start invoking your religion to support the fact that you're a misogynist and a liar, I think it really points out the problem here that some people might use religion appropriately to lead themselves to better behavior. But extremists, cultists, and charlatans misuse religion to justify the shit that they want to do anyway. If there is a God out there somewhere, you really got to imagine that she's up there getting really upset with the fact that the worst shit on the planet is always invoking her name. I am reminded of the famous quip from physicist Steven Weinberg. Without religion, you would have good people doing good things and evil people doing evil things. But for good people to do evil things, that takes religion. Thanks, United States Supreme Court, for making that even easier. Well, that's just the United States Supreme Court. Before I go, I want to talk about a couple of court decisions that indicate that it's not just the United States Supreme Court that indicate the danger of the fact that Donald Trump and the Republican criminal organization has filled our federal judiciary with lifetime appointments of absolute ideologues, extremist ideologues. And that, of course, I'll do this fairly quickly. You've all heard about this. It's been a while. Two judges on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, two judges dismissed the Flynn case, ordered the judge to dismiss the case against Michael Flynn. Now, when I say case against Michael Flynn, Donald Trump's first national security advisor. When I say dismiss the case, that's a little unfair. He'd already pled guilty to several counts. But that didn't matter. A panel of three judges drawn at random on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals resulted in a Trump appointee and a George W. Bush appointee who will do whatever their political criminal organization tells them to do, and that is to support the criminal organization by letting this criminal free. The third judge in that case was not a, uh, an extremist from the Trump or Bush mold, and he referred to his other two judges as party hacks in his dissenting opinion. Referred to his fellow judges as party hacks. It's not just me making these claims. So this is where we're standing throughout our courts. Where incompetent ideologues, extremists, are deciding the lives of Americans. It is another reminder that Democrats need to change our courts if we win the presidency and the Senate. We need to fix this. We can't keep playing by the rules that Republicans keep breaking. In this case, it's also a reminder of how people's livelihoods, lives, success, wealth, are dependent in many cases on the roll of the dice. That's how judges are chosen in appellate courts. The three-judge panel is chosen at random. And if you get two ideologues, well, that's going to determine your outcome. From, from a political standpoint, let's be clear also what's going to happen with decisions like this. 
We know that Donald Trump attacks judges whenever they issue opinions he doesn't like. In other words, honest opinions generally. And as soon as this decision came down from two Republican hacks, including a Trump hack, the administration and all of its lackeys came out and said, this is complete vindication. Here's Representative Jim Jordan. I've talked about on this this show before. Jim Jordan from Ohio is basically what shit would be if it had a mouth. We know the Flynn charge was wrong as evidenced by what happened today. Yes, mom said I'm a good boy. See, I always said I was a good boy. Donald Trump said he's been exonerated. (laughs) The guy who pled guilty has been exonerated by two pieces of shit on a federal court put there by two other pieces of shit. It proves what Trump has been saying in the same way that referring to his ass refers to what he's saying. I pulled this out of my ass and therefore it shows I was right. But this will now be the narrative in America. It looks like Donald Trump was right. He's been vindicated because the court has ruled in his favor. It's not only that filling the court with these apparatchiks is destroying our legal system. It is getting rid of justice. It is, it is promoting criminality and extremist religion. It is also providing political cover to a criminal political organization and the one who leads it. It is helping to manufacture the fake world that the Republican criminal organization and its adherents live in. I've talked about propaganda a lot on this show. I've talked about free speech. It's starting to sound familiar to you. It's starting to sound a little bit like fascist entities in our history. This was all happening while Department of Justice officials, career officials, were in front of Congress testifying to the criminality of the Trump organization, the Trump machine in politics. Here's a quote from the New York Times. Political appointees had intervened in criminal and antitrust cases to advance the personal interests of Trump and Attorney General William Barr. Political appointees had intervened in criminal and antitrust cases to advance the personal interests of Trump and Attorney General Barr. This is unbelievable criminal behavior. This was talking in part about the, the treatment, the preferential treatment of Roger Stone. Another co-conspirator led free. We've talked about this before. But it's okay now because now they've got the cover of our court system. Now they've got the cover of the President of the United States and the Attorney General of the United States saying it's okay. This helps fill our world with lies, with misinformation, and with propaganda. No wonder they're on the side with the cultists. Last thing on court decisions before we go. I know it's a long show. Bear with me for another couple of minutes. A couple, a couple of weeks ago when I started preparing the, the notes for this show, I, had, I was going to end on a, on a sort of a positive note, but then I was going to caution you about it. A few weeks ago, a district court judge in, D, in Washington, D.C. ordered the Dakota Access Pipeline shut down. This is an oil pipeline that is going through Indian reservations without permission that was, in, uh, that was opened up without the environmental reviews that are necessary. So we don't know what kind of damage they are doing to the environment or to public health, including, of course, to Native American communities, which the Trump administration and the Republican criminal organization don't care about. But a D.C. judge, in a remarkable ruling, ordered this pipeline shut down for failure to comply with basic laws and environmental regulations and, and review requirements. I was going to caution you that... We're leaving on a high note, but the decision had already been appealed. 
And the decision would go to that same D.C. circuit court that I just talked about. And it would go in front of a panel. And that panel may very well consist of Trump or George W. Bush judges who would be happy to overturn this ruling. Well, I'm sorry it took me so long to get to this actual show to to review our courts. Because it turns out this week, the D.C. panel did just that. The D.C. panel, three judges, overturned the decision of the district court and ruled for the company and said it's okay if the criminal president decides if it's okay if we can go forward and open the pipeline. Yeah, let's just leave it up to the president. We can trust him. That's what the D.C. panel said. Let's leave it up to the president to decide if this pipeline can go forward while they conduct the environmental study that they should have conducted before and find out what the impact on human beings and the environment will be. A final reminder of why we are literally fighting for our lives in this upcoming election and then fighting for our lives in replacing our federal judges. And that'll do it for today's show. Thank you for joining us. We will be back soon, undoubtedly, with more good news to report. Till then, be well and be safe. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 